Hey, Sweat Sisters, welcome to the Pretty Girl Sweat Show, which highlights women who are balancing demanding careers with a healthy lifestyle and hurtling over personal and professional obstacles. I'm your host, Aisha DeVore Branch, and each week I have a sister to sister chat with an inspiring go getter. And listeners learn how good things come to those who sweat. If this is your first time listening, what up? You could be anywhere in the world and you're here with me. And I really appreciate that. If you love what you hear, take a second to subscribe to the podcast so you get updates every time we drop a new episode. If you got half a second, leave a rating, which will help other sweat sisters in need of some inspiration find our podcast. If you have a minute, please follow us across all social media platforms. We are at Pretty Girl Sweat on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and YouTube. Use the hashtag Pretty Girl Sweat when sharing this episode. And if you have five minutes, please leave a review and let us know how we're doing. You're listening to episode 12 of the Pretty Girl Sweat Show with Rachel Pierre. She's a wife and a mom of one, but also so many other things. And that's where Mommy Faceted came along. Originally from Virginia, Rachel earned a bachelor's degree in communications from Elon University and a master's in public relations from the University of Houston. Professionally, Rachel's experience includes writing for the Department of Homeland Security, members of Congress, and university presidents. When she's not brainstorming a new business idea, she's trying new restaurants, cooking family dinners, and soaking up all the sun she can get. So get into this interview where we talk fitness, business, and so much more. Hope you enjoy. Rachel, welcome to the Pretty Girl Sweat Show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, we're happy to have you and really looking forward to learning so much more about your career and life as a mom and how you balance it all with living a healthy lifestyle. So let's start from the beginning. All right. Can you tell us about your upbringing? Yeah, definitely. Um, So I grew up right outside of D.C., so Northern Virginia area. And uh, we were very active. Uh, you're just talking about, you know, balancing a healthy lifestyle. And I've been active since I can remember. Um, and it wasn't always just organized sports, but we were just outside. And those were some of my best memories, you know, night games and all the, you know, fun stuff that kids do or used to do, I should <laughs> say. Um, just outside. And then we, you know, I got into organized sports. I played softball throughout high school. I played basketball. Um But other than that, I was kind of uh, very much your typical introvert, especially in high school, Um, and just kind of tried to find my way. I mean, I was very much an internal thinker, um, but I like to kind of be in the mix with groups of people. So I was just kind of figuring that out, like, what does that even mean? What am I supposed to do? It's just a lot of questions I had growing up. Mm. And so um, while you were trying to figure that out, did you maintain, you know, just being a good student in school while you were trying to balance like your social life? Yes, uh, definitely was. I was in in an advanced program. So I graduated with an international baccalaureate degree. Awesome. Um, So similar to AP classes. Uh, So yeah, I was always in the, you know, higher education in high school. And then I went to, um, you know, college and did well there at a um, I actually only applied to one college and got into that one, my, you know, my most beloved college. So, you know, that was kind of my, my main mission and goal was education. Mm. Um, and everything sort of fell in line after that. 
Okay. Well, was there a teacher that you can remember that really impacted your life? Hmm. Um, or even a coach, you know, since you played sports too. Yeah, I would say, I would say I, one a specific coach or teacher doesn't stand out, but I think for me, it was more of a competitive thing. So just trying to be better than I could be. And, you know, I think a lot of it was sort of going back to that internal thinking, you know, I was thinking my classmates are, you know, getting A's and they're, you know, raising their hand and participating and they're, you know, able to do X, Y, and Z outside of school and still keep up with their schoolwork and all that. So it was kind of like me trying to keep up with the pack, even though I may not have known exactly what their grades were or what really was driving them. But that kind of drove me, which is kind of being better and being the best in my class and in my group. Okay. Well, are there any specific like study habits or hacks that you use to make sure that you are better um, in academics than your peers or even how you improved um, for yourself? Yeah. You know, um, I definitely did some time thinking about this and I kind of developed a little method. Um, I would just break up my work. So I could, I, so I had this chair in my room. It was so comfortable and I would find myself falling asleep in that chair (laughs) more times than I really need to admit, um, you know, trying to do homework. So a lot of the time I would break up my afternoon. So after school or if I had practiced or anything, you know, go do that. And then I knew exactly what I had in my schedule because I kept my days sort of organized on a calendar and I would just break it up. So I would do one hour for, you know, my math homework and then take a quick break, you know, whether get a snack or go, you know, treat myself to 15 minutes in my chair, um, you know, like a quick power nap and then head back for another hour with, you know, history or, or whatever other class. So for me, it was about breaking it up and giving myself treats after I, you know, was so focused for a little while and then give myself a little treat and then I would focus and then give a little treat. So that was kind of the way I was able to manage the heavy workload with wanting to, you know, also just relax and be a high schooler. So, so you decided on applying to only one university, which yeah. was Elon University. So tell us why you made that decision. Yeah. So, um, my mom was very big on visiting colleges. So if we were out of town, we would visit whatever college was in that town and she would take us on tours, uh, just locally as well to, you know, whatever college was near us. And then I went in high school on a few tours. I went on an HBCU tour and just a couple other college tours sponsored by my high school. And when I stepped on Elon's campus, I just kind of felt like it was perfect for me. So it was a small college. I think at the time there were maybe only 4,000 students in the whole university. And um, then, you know, it was demographics. Demographic wise, it was similar to my high school. And so I knew I would feel comfortable and, you know, kind of not too far out of my comfort zone. Uh, But the great thing about it, too, was that it was four hours away from where I grew up. So it was just enough distance where I felt like I was really doing something and I was out somewhere, but I was still able to get home if I needed to. So that was kind of, you know, the trifecta of all the important things that I needed. Uh, And then I was interested in communications. And so that uh, that college had a great communication school and uh, it just worked out perfectly. So I applied early admission and I was accepted and I didn't you know, want to kind of go through the stress of waiting to hear from other colleges and having to write essays and all that. So I just stuck with Elon and I had a great experience. 
Oh, great. And so communications, when you first got there as a freshman, you declared your major, what did you hope to get out of college upon graduating? Uh, you know, I don't, um, I would say that I hoped that I would figure out what it is I really wanted to do. I think, um, you know, going into college, I, I enjoyed the idea of working in public relations, but, uh, and that's kind of what I was focused on and what I ended up, you know, graduating in. But I think I still just had a lot of questions about what am I really interested in? What's my purpose? Uh, I definitely wanted to meet people. Um, like I said, I was a, you know, extreme introvert in high school and I was really trying to kind of reinvent myself with people that I didn't know. And so that gave me an opportunity to meet people and be more, you know, extroverted and talkative and, you know, kind of in, in explore things. Uh, so yeah, I just kind of wanted to reinvent myself and then figure out who that would be. Okay. And did dating at all in college, um, impact any decisions you've made or profession, your professional journey? It did not. So I did not, I think I may have gone on one or two dates, like my first two years. So very minimal <laughs> impact because I wasn't dating a lot. Um, but in my end of my sophomore year, or yeah, end of my sophomore year, I met my then boyfriend, who's now my husband. And luckily, which we were actually talking about this the other day, because we just uh, celebrated our five year anniversary last week. And uh, we were talking about Congrats. how <laughs> it was kind of good that he actually lived in Maryland. So when I would visit home, I could see him. But when I was at school, I was, you know, focused and I was kind of distracted by school and, you know, just kind of, you know, doing my kind of finishing my degree. And then I had pledged. So I was, you know, president of my sorority and I was, you know, I was busy at school. And then when I went home, I was able to, you know, see him and all that, which is good because he's older and, you know, I wasn't really, I don't know that I was really ready for the older boyfriend yet. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, so it didn't impact me too much, but I think the distance was the main factor and that really was a blessing in disguise. Um, you know, I wanted him to be closer so we could kind of get to the dating part like I imagined it to be, but it didn't happen for until I, you know, until I graduated. So, mm, Okay. And um, so you mentioned uh, pledging. So we know that you're a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. So tell us a little bit more about how, your sisterhood um, helped support you during your collegiate journey as well. Definitely. Uh, I think it was a, a support that I didn't know I needed. So uh, when I mm. first got on campus, uh, my chapter was not uh, active. And so there were no, okay. there was no, no deltas on campus. Um, the chapter had been suspended. And so I was on the first line back and, you know, my first two years, I, you know, like I said, I kind of met people and I was sort of exploring, you know, kind of being a little bit more extroverted and getting out there and jumping outside of my comfort zone. But I didn't have that direct connection. Like I wanted, uh, you know, with deep long, like, you know, lifelong friendships and sisterhood and all that. And so when I, I, I knew I wanted to pledge as soon as I knew that the chapter was coming back. Um, my mom is a Delta. So I kind of had little, you know, I guess it was like, um, what is it called when 
I guess, uh, subconscious thoughts of wanting to be a Delta. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I kind of, you know, was going in that path anyways. And, uh, and then, so it just became this thing that I didn't know I needed. And I was able to rely on people that I hadn't really come across too much at school. And now we were bonded and connected. And, you know, I had people all across campus who I could reach out to and I, who I could run to and who I could talk to and share things with. And, and it just became this circle of, you know, kind of where I fit in and where I belonged. And so it just became a great experience. It became a great uh, kind of support that I should have been looking for, but didn't really know where to find or that I even needed it as much as I did. And do you have any advice for any young ladies out there who may be listening, who are considering pledging your sorority or any other sorority, like some do's and don'ts? Because <laughs> sometimes people need to know, know these do's and don'ts of wanting to be involved yes. with an organization. Yeah. You know, I always look at my sister because my sister is not, um, she's not Greek. She has no interest in being, <laughs> in being Greek. Um, or she didn't when she was in college. She had no interest. And so it's just funny seeing how different we are. Um, but as far as do's and don'ts and kind of, I think about her because she fit all of the don'ts, you know, she, wasn't, <laughs> she uh, <laughs> yeah, she, um, she didn't really, or so, I, you know, I guess she was just into her own life and she had, you know, she played sports in college um, at college. And so she was busy with that. And not to say that you can't be busy, but she had a group that she was relying on and, and kind of required and required to be there all the time. And I think to get the most out of your sorority, you've got to have that commitment. And so, you know, in her mind, that commitment was to something else. Mm -hmm. And I think if you are going to pledge, you know, you've, you've got school, which is the major reason why you're there. So then to add on an additional commitment, you know, you don't want to overstress yourself. So you got to really think, is this something that I really want deep down? Because it's not always going to be pretty. It's not always going to be fun. It's not always going to be, you know, strolling on campus and, you know, wearing your letters. It's going to be some things that, you know, you may have to go through or some, conversations that are going to be tough. And these are people that you're going to be connected to forever. So it's an additional commitment and you've got to really realize that there's things that come with that. It's not just pretty and roses all the time. So um, it's fun. It is a lot of fun and it's a lot of hard work. So, you know, if you can add those two things to your life and to your schedule and to your um, kind of mindset, then go for it. Whichever sorority fits you, uh, the other thing I like to tell people is look, take a look on campus and look at the actual sorority itself. So, uh, you know, on campus, every Delta chapter is different. It looks different. Every AKA chapter is different. Every Zeta chapter is different. So, you know, it may be a group that fits with your personality and your style and then look at the sorority as a greater you know, organization, look on their website, obviously do your research, find out if you follow along with their mission and their goals and values and, you know, make sure that's really a good choice for you. You know, I wouldn't be pressured or feel pressured to do anything, whether it's, you know, what your mom did or what your friends are doing, you know, make sure you do your homework and make sure you have the, the time and the commitment. Great advice. And um, let's talk about career now. Okay. Tell us about the very first job you ever had and what did you do to get your foot in the door? 
very first job was, oh, what would I consider my first job? Um, I guess my first real job was actually with my mom. So the whole nep is a nepotism where, you know, you kind of bring along your, your family and your friends. I was able to get a job because my mom worked at this specific office. And so I was just a little intern there. Um, but I was able to work there for all, you know, kind of to my last two years of high school. And, um, it's just an office job, but I was able to learn basic skills. You know, I knew that I was going to end up working in some sort of corporate environment. And so I was just very fortunate and loved the fact that I was able to step right in. I didn't have to work, you know, as a delivery driver or, you know, something just kind of unrelated. And having that relation was able to help me when I went on interviews for my internships in college for public relations firms or when I went on actual internship or interviews for jobs out, out of college. Um, so going straight into an office environment was um, was really helpful. And um, just I think it set me off on the right foot. Okay. And um, what was like the biggest risk that you've ever taken in your career? I would say the biggest risk was moving to Houston. So I uh, lived at, after college, I went back, back home to Virginia and worked for the federal government in uh, DC. And I worked there for about four years. And what were you doing specifically? What were you doing specifically? Okay. Specifically, I was working for the Department of Homeland Security. So I was in the communications department, writing correspondence and memos and technical writing. Um, it sounds so fun, but, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, but yeah, it was a, it was a good experience. I was able to write for members of Congress and write to foreign officials and respond to regular everyday citizens. So I I got a a good kind of view of different types of writing, different types of correspondence. And I did that for four years. And then I moved to Houston. So I relocated here in 2012 and I basically had to start all over. So all of my work um, experience since college had been for the federal government. And when you move outside of D.C., that doesn't necessarily translate the same way. So in D.C., everyone is all, all about the federal government, who you work for, where you work and, you know, that kind of thing. And so. Moving here to Houston, people were kind of like, oh, yeah, that, that sounds cool. But um, I have this position over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I basically had to start over and I've worked my way back um, back up to a position where I you know, can feel comfortable and feel like I am making um, strides in my career. But it's taken me about five years to really get to a place where I feel like, OK, you know, I'm back on track. I'm back where I need to be. Um, and just the whole moving here where I didn't know anyone mm-hmm. uh, besides, you know, my I, had, I have a few family members who live here, but I have no real connections. And so having to build those relationships and build connections to move my way up in different companies and um, try to navigate and pick the best jobs and get rejected from interviews and, you know, find, get other opportunities. It's, it's been, it's been very rough, but um but I'm thankful for for all the time. So that was probably my biggest risk, um, just leaving a perfectly good career to move to Houston. And tell us more too about like your current career strategy and like how you're using the power of you know 
creating online content that's really meaningful and inspiring to other women um, as, you know, as more of a passion project that's turned into this extension of your career? Yeah, definitely. So I've stayed in in communications. I've tried very, um, and I've been very purposeful in staying in the communications world. So like I said, when I was in Houston, when I moved to Houston, I kind of had to sort of take different jobs here um, that didn't necessarily fit with my career. So to support my passion, I became a freelance writer. So I wrote for a few local magazines here in Houston and um, had my own blog as well at the time. And I always just kind of kept my eye on what's going on in media, what's going on in communications. And that's just been a constant for me, knowing that I wanted to do more and kind of be more. So I've always just been someone who soaked up up information. And that's basically how I have managed to move my career the way I've needed to. I kind of look ahead and figure out what do I need to get to that next step. And in the meantime, I'm either doing research, I'm taking classes, I'm, you know, kind of doing whatever I can to get information on how I can get closer to that next step. And I, I just love learning. And so that's been, I think, probably the biggest benefit to how I operate is just kind of continuing my education. So, um, so yeah, now I do run the podcast mommy faceted and I'm able to mix the skill of communication that I've learned over the years, whether it's for a technical organization that I worked for or just my own writing for the you know, local magazines or a blog, I've, you know, kind of figuring out what an audience is and what they want to hear and how they best get communication. What's, you know, kind of what's the latest thing, what's the best way for people to absorb information and mixing, you know, my passion of encouraging and empowering women, specifically moms, um, in with that medium. So I've definitely just been a product of kind of what's always coming out and learning and refreshing. And that's helped me move along as I needed to. Okay. Well, what have you discovered along this journey? Like what platforms do you use most to deliver this inspiring content and which ones would you like to try in the future? Yeah. You know, I, um, I, like I said, I have the podcast, so that's available on any podcast player. And I, you know, I kind of started with the idea of doing another blog because I had, I'd been reading blogs for probably 10 years now, um, just reading and being a consumer of blogs. And that was my initial kind of jumping point. But I realized that blogs are kind of, they're kind of dying a little bit. So there's still a a large audience that reads blogs, but people just don't have time to sit and read as much as they used to. And so that's kind of the, Mm -hmm. like I said about research, I realized that people don't just sit and do almost anything. They're working out, they're, you know, going to the grocery store, they're driving in the long commute to work. So having that audio content was very key for me to be able to get my message across to people who are busy. Like I said, my audience is mom. So they literally have no time. (laughs) Um, As you know, there's no time. None. (laughs) Exactly. You know, what you want for a good 30, 45 minutes. So the podcast is perfect for that. Um, And then I use Instagram and Facebook as well. But one thing that I have been late on and really wish that I had kind of gotten 
more involved with. And I don't know if I will get there because it it's not as you know active as I think it will be is Twitter. So going back to an old basic, um, I was very late to Twitter and I just did not understand it. I didn't really get the point of it, I think, um, until a few years ago. And by then I just felt like I was too late. So, um, and now Twitter's completely changed. So it's just kind of like, you know, an ever evolving thing. And then another platform that I am jumping back into is freelance writing. So I've got a couple articles coming out in the next couple weeks, and that's just kind of been my latest focus as I sort of shift into being more of a thought leader in this motherhood space is writing my own original content for um, for publications. Okay. And what advice would you give to other mothers out there who want to follow their passions and really feel like they have no additional time and have to also be great women, wives, moms, sisters, daughters, and friends, what would you tell them? Yes. So in doing the podcast, I have, uh, I have learned so much. And the biggest thing is that every mom is going to look different. So that idea of super mom is, it will, first it needs to go out the window. Obviously you can't do it all. Um, but you know, what you do as a great mom is going to look different than what I do. And I think the number one thing that I've learned after talking to so many moms and women on my podcast and just out, you know, at events and in general is that you've got to make your own list of priorities. You have to decide what is going to be important to you. Do you want to be physically fit and have dinner cooked and be able to read to your kids. Like, you, you know, you can't do 80 things, but you can do those three things. You can keep a schedule where you fit those top three to five priorities in on a regular basis. And as other things come up, you may or may not be able to do them. But, you know, in this particular season, whatever is going on in your life, you've got to decide what are your top priorities and focus on that and just let everything else go or let someone else handle them, or if you can hire them out, you know, however the other things can get done, that's great. But if you've got your top priorities, then stick to those. And then you can actually say you're being a great mom. I think if, if you've got your own idea of what a great mom is, and then you follow that plan, you can achieve it. You know, it's, it's not... I think we try to complicate it by looking on social media and seeing what other moms are doing or watching TV and seeing these images of women just being all around bosses and, you know, clicking in their heels and going to work and coming home. And, you know, like all that looks great, but it's it's not real life. So, you know, I think breaking it down into top priorities, defining your own idea of what a great mom is, and then just striving for those things and kicking all the rest kind of to the side is the, the best way to do it in, in my experience. Okay. Well, definitely self-care is uh, key in order for you to pour into others. You have to pour into yourself. So how do you take care of yourself? What are your like healthy habits or self-care tips? Uh, yeah, so definitely have been more intentional about that as I get older. Um, once you pass, I know I'm not old, but once you pass 30, you definitely are starting to kind of feel a little bit about what, you know, people are saying as you know, kind of you're finding yourself and you are, you know, comfortable in your skin and all that, but you still got to take care of yourself. And so some of the things that I do is... Um, I need quiet time. I, I survive off of quiet time and it's not always 
in the, the way I like it. You know, I'd love to sit on my couch and, you know, have an hour to myself, but that doesn't always happen. So my quiet time can look like, you know, I don't answer my phone in my commute to work. So I know that I've got 30 to 45 minutes of, I can just think, I can listen to music, I can listen to a podcast, whatever that is. If that's the only quiet time I can get for the day, then my commute it is. Or, you know, I try to take a day and kind of cut it early once a month. So I may leave, you know, stop working around two and take a couple hours to just walk around Target or walk around Marshalls and be by myself. So I find little pockets of quiet time that I can kind of hold on to and grasp onto. So I don't um, just get, I just, I don't have too much noise going on in my head. Uh, The other thing that I do is in the mornings, I start off with a little bit of meditation and I read a little devotion. So, and I don't try to make it too long because my mind can start to wander. Uh, So I just really try to stick to to like 15 minutes when I wake up and really focus on my intentions for the day uh, and try to make sure that anything that I'm worried about or anxious about or stressed about or nervous about that I kind of break it down and meditate on it for just a few minutes before I get my day going. So I don't feel as stressed and anxious and nervous during the day. Okay. And favorite fitness activities, like what do you love to do to stay active? So I work out, um, I actually started working out with my husband. He's yeah, he's an ex-personal trainer, so he's still got that itch every once in a while. So I've become his guinea pig. Um, about five years ago, we kind of started this in the morning we work out. So I actually get to the gym about six. And as soon as I drop my son off at daycare, I get there at six. And what I love about working out in the morning is it's done for the whole day once you get through with it. So I can go on about my day. I can do whatever I need to do when I get home. I can literally cook and relax. Like that's it. So I love working out in the morning. Um, as far as my favorite workouts, I love um, I love doing hit workouts. So I like to mix things up and just bounce from you know about three different exercises in in one set. And so I will do like squats and then I'll do um, some calf raises and leg extensions. You know, I'll kind of pair things together that make sense. You know, kind of work in the same body groups and I'll just go through them quickly so that I'm not breaking too much. And I love it because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a mom, so I'm killing like five birds with one stone. I am getting in, you know, some time to focus on myself. I am working out whatever that body part is. And it's also cardio because you're going quickly through the exercises. And so because I hate running that, you know, checks all the boxes for me. And I, I, that's how I love to plan my workouts. Hmm. Okay. And um, what's in your gym bag? If I were to go inside of it right now, what would I find? <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, deodorant. Because- oh, wait, <laughs> what kind of deodorant do you use? Okay. This is going to sound, I don't even know how this is going to sound, but I'm just going to be honest. I use a men's unscented deodorant because I am a heavy sweater. Okay. So I will pick something that's kind of like, um, what is the name of that one? I have to, I, I can't remember the name of it, but it's a men's unscented. Cause I don't, you know, I don't want to smell like a man, but I do sweat a lot. Um, so that's definitely always in my bag. Uh, I have shower shoes. 
So I just, you know, bring some dollar flip flops because I all, you know, have that. And I bring my own soap, which I love, you know, any kind of like ivory bar. Um, and those are my must haves. Um, headphones are definitely a must have. It's always in my bag. And I, oh, the other thing that I always leave are a pair of earrings because I'm always constantly forgetting jewelry mm-hmm. when I put, you know, my clothes and everything in my bag. So I always leave an extra pair of earrings and that way I at least have something if I forget all my jewelry. Mm, okay. All right. That's all good stuff in there. What about music? What do you listen to when you work out? Music. I, um, I kind of right now I am listening to a lot of Cardi B Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's perfect workout tempo. Um, but I just let kind of I kind of let Spotify go with the playlist. So some days if I'm like really in a mood, I will put on some like upbeat gospel music and I try to curate a little a little playlist because those songs are kind of hard to find. So I've kind of made my own little playlist if I just really need like a kick in the butt or some encouragement or, you know, kind of keep myself from just completely going crazy. Um, and then other days, like I said, I'm listening to Cardi B or just the latest hip hop playlist on Spotify. So. so the words, pretty girls sweat. What do they mean to you when you hear them? It means that even though we women look beautiful and pretty, we still take care of ourselves and we want to be strong. We want our bodies to be strong and that requires sweating. It's not just, you know, kind of a physical look. We want to be actually physically strong and taking care of ourselves. And that's kind of what I love about the brand. And it it definitely encourages and promotes women to truly take care of themselves, not just say it, but to actually live it. Um, And so I just love all of that about Pretty Girl Sweat. Thank you for that. And what's next for you and Mommy Faceted? Yes. uh, So we have with Mommy Faceted some um, events coming up. So in the fall, we're going to be hosting some coffee chat series and um, that will be local to Houston. But I'm also planning to have some virtual kind of coffee chats as well. So definitely uh, if you're not in Houston, stay tuned to the mommy faceted page because we will have some virtual um, chats as well. And I'm really just focused on the podcast and the brand of mommy faceted. So I'd like it to continue growing. Um, I've gotten some great feedback from moms who are in the same boat of juggling with all of the things. Um, You know, I've had you on my podcast explaining that exact same concept where it's just, you know, we have so much going on at one time. How do we do it all? And so I just want to continue to help women figure that out for, you know, figure out what it looks like for them. And so I'll definitely, you know, continue having podcast episodes up every Thursday and definitely it's going to be more to come with the brand um, as I expand it beyond the podcast. And that's Rachel Pierre. Be sure to follow her across all social media platforms at Mommy Faceted. That's Mommy with an I, Faceted. And visit her website, mommyfaceted.com. 
Join us on Saturday, September 15th for the second annual Pretty Girl Sweat Fest Atlanta. Grab your squad for the ultimate Sweat Sisterhood Fitness Festival with 700 women, seven fun workouts, seven Sweat Liberty honorees, seven incredible captains, and so much more. With heart-pumping workouts coupled with the dopest female DJs, you'll get a first-class ticket to your favorite fitness trends and hit songs. When you're not sweating it out, you can refresh and refuel at our hydration stations, savor garden filled with deliciously healthy food trucks, beauty bar, and complimentary swag. Just one more thing before you take off. Do you want to get a short email from Pretty Girl Sweat every Monday and Friday that serves as a daily dose of all things inspiring and allows you priority access to our upcoming events? Just go to prettygirlsweat.com. That's prettygirls with an S, sweat.com. Drop in your email and you'll get the very next one. And if you sign up, you'll soon discover that there's no hood like sisterhood. Until next time, always remember that good things come to those who sweat.